Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 259. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to review and discuss 1942's Saludos Amigos. Yes, the first of the package films that would span almost a decade afterwards, which I didn't realize when we were choosing the order that this came before Melody Time. <laughs> and this is going to drive me bonkers forever. This will forever live in infamy. This forever is documented that we went out of order. You know, I mean, this we... has just become my favorite episode of Monoreal Radio. We always go out of order. We didn't start with Snow White and go through the entire canon that way. But being that we are looking at these Walt era films, and that was sort of a loose theme for this month. I wish that we had started with this one because it was the launch point and I was about to make my peace with that until you committed it to audio forever. Um, but it's interesting that this was the first one because, you know, we knew, I think the, the best example is Fantasia, that Sorcerer's Apprentice was supposed to be the feature and they ended up for budgetary reasons turning it into a short and marrying it to other shorts. Right. I always thought that that was the driving force behind these package films like Fun and Fancy Free and the Silly Symphonies. Um, even really Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad, this yeah. was still going on. But this actually had even more of a purpose um, for being a series of shorts, which we are going to get into. Yeah, I mean, this has a very short runtime. It's only 42 minutes long. It's very digestible. I believe it still holds the record for the shortest feature uh, because Dumbo would be the next shortest running time. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost unfair to count this because it is shorts. But so is Fantasia. So is Melody Time. For a, I mean, to a lesser extreme, so are the adventures of Mr. Toad and Ichabod. So I think that if... All of those are held to the standard of Disney animated classic. I think that this one needs to be there as well, despite the fact that it does have a shorter runtime. Fair. But with all of that being said, how does this compare to some of those other anthology films? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code MONOREAL at checkout. Visit FierceFoxDesignCo.com to check out all of the collections. All right, we're going to do this as we did with Melody Time and Fantasia. We're going to go vignette by vignette. Well, before we do that, I do want to start off with this opening um, where they're showing footage of Walt Disney and the animators and producers getting on the plane. Um, I really like that they 
set this up as a documentary that sort of poses it as a research trip and that continues as the through line to weave all of these shorts together. Um, But I think it was interesting that they leaned into it's just a research trip when we know that this was sort of a government mandated trip to foster a good relationship with South America during the war era. Yeah, this is what they consider one of the propaganda films. See, but that's the thing, though. That was a concern, but Disney was trying to do everything in his power to not turn it into propaganda. Right. So the way that this all comes about, and there's an incredible documentary called Walton El Grupo uh, that was done by Frank Thomas, the infamous animator, Frank Thomas's son, Ted Thomas. We actually had him on the show um, when we reviewed Frank and Ollie. We did an interview with him, and he told us that his documentary was going to be coming out and eventually on Disney+. Plus. Um, so... That's how really I knew about Saludos Amigos more than anything else was because he had told us that story. We watched the documentary and we had just never gotten around to watching Saludos Amigos. But that was really my first introduction to it. Um, So if you're interested in learning more about the making of this film, I highly recommend checking that out while it's still on Disney+. Plus. But That is where most of our research comes from. And in that documentary, they give the full explanation of how this came about, which was that FDR wanted to foster a better relationship with South America through arts and culture. So Disney was the representative for film. And the reason that he agreed to do it was because he didn't want to just go as Walt Disney as a persona and shake the hands and kiss the babies. He actually wanted to do something and create something that could help. And I mean, it's no secret. He did do war propaganda films. That was, you know, largely how Donald Duck became so popular, but he really wanted to do something good here without making it a propaganda film. And he really wanted to work with the people of South America to do something positive. Yeah. So, Let's get into the first vignette here, because a lot of this is very much edutainment. Yes. Starting with our first segment, Lake Titicaca, which Beavis and Butthead have ruined that forever, by the way. Um, We learn of everyday life living by Lake Titicaca, trading goods and using small boats used of balsa wood and reed to travel. Donald Duck is an American tourist who deals with the elements of traveling to the region, meeting the locals, including a llama who moves to the sound of a homemade flute. So as you pointed out, Donald Duck was very popular because of the war propaganda films, but they looked at this as an opportunity to really launch Donald Duck. And I think that that was the right move because I don't think, especially given what you just said about Walt Disney wanting to be more than just the persona, if you stuck Mickey Mouse in here, I don't think that any of this would have worked quite as well. Well, I think that this also coincided with the time period that Mickey was not testing as well with audiences because Sorcerer's Apprentice was supposed to be one of the last-ditch efforts to prove that Mickey Mouse could sell a film. And now we see the shift over to Donald and Goofy because between them, they're each going to have five features in in these 
uh, series of package films right. that are going to come out, like including, you know, we mentioned Fun and Fancy Free, uh, Melody Time, The Reluctant Dragon, all of the or most of those are void of Mickey Mouse. So this is the also where, yes, with, exactly, with Donald specifically. So we're starting to see that shift now too. But with that said. I love how they integrated live action and eventually transition transitioned into animation because the artwork is incredible. Me too. I love how they cut this and they have the drawings against the live action footage so that we can see what the artist's interpretation is. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, again, works is great edutainment for children. And I also like how they took the llama, which is a very integral part of that region they incorporated him comedically but also because of the use of the handmade flute they incorporated the music which as we know from watching these anthology films and specifically in this film and melody time music being such a through line throughout these movies yeah i really love that whole sequence particularly with the suspension bridge and how donald quite literally digs himself into a hole with this music or not a hole he's dangling above uh you know suspended between two mountains um, and he's trying to rebuild the bridge that is totally collapsing. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was a great piece for Donald Duck. Uh, what I found most interesting about it, though, is that the narration states that llamas have, because all of these films have a narrator going throughout. Uh, it's not just the documentary that is the through line or the the setting it up as a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the narration states that llamas have a considerable personality, but the way that they animated this llama, he sort of has like a holier than thou attitude going on. And to me, this seems like the genesis of Emperor's New Groove, not just because of the setting. It is the same setting, but just some of the, the, you know, those looks that the llama's giving, um, even the suspension bridge where they're in between the two mountains, that reminded me of when Cusco and Pacha have to link arms and climb themselves out of the... Um, the, the ravine that yes, they're in? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to Pedro. We meet Pedro, a small plane who must carry the mail to Mendoza after his parents fall ill. The rookie plane heads to Mendoza, but is intimidated by the large mountain Aconguaga. Um, the treacherous trip ends in disaster as he runs out of gas, refusing to drop his heavy mail load. Running on fumes, he crash lands at home, carrying one postcard. It's Little Toot. I literally don't have anything else to say other than it's Little Toot. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of that little engine that could type of a story. Um, my big takeaway though, I cannot even imagine the nightmare of the flight that Disney and his team experienced going over the Andes, that this was inspired from it. Like that um, downdraft. Yeah. When Pedro just plummet. I mean, that, that is my nightmare. I'm not the best flyer admittedly. So th this kind of had me, white knuckling as I was watching it. I do love that sort of twist at the end though, that it is one singular postcard. Um, 
I mean, the mail, it's always going to get delivered. Come rain, come sleet, come yeah. snow. Uh, so I love that they lean into that. And no matter what it is, you think Pedro's got this big full bag of mail that needs to be delivered. It's just that one postcard. Um, but they do it as a tribute to uh, Jorge Delano, who uh, was a prominent Chilean cartoonist and filmmaker. Uh, so I thought that that was a really nice touch, a nice nod to uh, just the overall project and what they were trying to do here. Um, that was a really cool touch. El Gaucho Goofy. Goofy, an American cowboy from Texas, is sent to Argentina by our narrator and learns to be a traditional gaucho. He learns how to ride a horse, barbecue his food, dance, and use a uh, boyo to catch an ostrich. So, there is that patented Disney Plus warning label before this movie begins. After having seen Melody Time and seeing how the Painted Mountains got their uh, their name, I in thought, the Pecos Bill segment, I thought, "Oh, geez, what have we done?" And I thought that that was also kind of interesting, considering that this was commissioned and done in good faith with the South Americans. Well, that's what I said. I was like, what could it possibly be when you were working with South America to make this? What it, depictions are offensive? It was Goofy smoking a cigarette as a cowboy at the start of this short. In in VHS releases and in DVD releases of this film, that was edited out because they did not want children to see Goofy smoking a cigarette. However, they did want to put the uncut, unedited version of this film on Disney+. Plus. That's fine. And I understand that you don't want to see... You don't want children to see Goofy smoking a cigarette, obviously, now, even though cowboys smoke cigarettes and he's supposed to be a cowboy. Um, people are more sensitive to the idea of showing children uh, characters smoking cigarettes. However, use a different bleeping warning label. This has been our argument with this warning label the entire time. This is not the Pecos Bill segment. This is not the Siamese Cats and Lady and the Tramp. This is not, it's not Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. This is completely different. I've gone on this rant before. This warning label insinuates you are about to see something bad. You're not seeing something bad here. You are seeing Goofy smoke a cigarette outdated. It does not hold the same weight as some of the other insensitive depictions that you've seen in Disney films. I wish they would just have film-specific warning labels. I completely agree. I mean, I understand that we do not want to promote smoking by any means. I understand you don't want to see Goofy smoking. Uh, you know, I think Robin Williams said it best in Mrs. Doubtfire that to have Pudgy the Parrot with a cigarette in his mouth is morally irresponsible. I agree with all of that. Um, but we made this point when we talked about this warning label in our Peter Pan review that what you are doing by having this generic label and directing you to a website, if you even bother to click the link and do your further reading, 
you're only getting a small sample size of the films that they are acknowledging. You're not getting a breakdown or a conversation about each one and why it's wrong. And in this case, you are deterring people from a fun, goofy cartoon. You're making it seem like it's something so bad. And you might even be putting people off of a movie that is supposed to promote cultural acceptance. So you've completely negated everything that this film stood for. In 1942. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, back then, they didn't know that smoking was bad for you. Everybody's Disney smoked. He's probably got a, a clip in this documentary where there's a cigarette in his hand. But I'm saying for all of the glad handing that Hollywood does for themselves nowadays and more times than not, they get it wrong anyway. 1942. They got it right in 1942. And you're going to tell people you're about to see something bad. Well, I do want to talk about what is right about this. I thought that this was the perfect vehicle for Goofy. Because yes. this segment in particular has a lot of explanation and process. It is the most uh, narration heavy out of the four shorts, I believe. Uh, so I thought this was a really fun way to demonstrate the, um, cultural aspects of the wardrobe and what the Cowboys wore at the time. Right. And, um, with the horse too, I thought that was really interesting how they showed all the layers of the different saddle. Like, I mean, honestly, it's what you said before. Edutainment was the perfect way to phrase it because I learned something from watching this, but I'm watching a silly, goofy cartoon where you get the classic, you know, dog. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing it terribly. You are. <laughs> but to hear that sound, that iconic goofy falling sound in this way, I thought it was just the perfect culmination of exactly what this project is. And you're teaching kids about a new culture using a beloved character. They are more likely to pay attention because it is goofy. Exactly. All right, moving on to our... Uh, final short here. Um, Aquella, Aquarela do Brazil. Somebody out there is skewering me for my pronunciation. Sorry. Um, we are introduced to the music and dancing of Rio de Janeiro. We are also introduced to Jose Carioca, a watercolor parrot who meets Donald Duck, who at that point is very famous in Hollywood. He shows Donald the Samba as they dance their way through South America. So this was a really interesting and I think important short because at the time what this did was show that South America was not just rural. And I think it was important to include here because up to this point, the other three shorts, I mean, Pedro not so much, but definitely two of the four are focused more on the heritage and the rural areas of the continent. Right. Um, so this shed a lot of light for people that there are these bustling cities. And I think, you know, it allowed especially Americans to see... Um, something relatable like yes. people that are in New York, people that are in Hollywood, it gives something, especially the way that they depict uh, Rio de Janeiro through the Samba. It's definitely giving them a parallel to latch onto that. There's this 
glitzy, glamorous city that certainly if you're in a place like New York or Hollywood, you're going to have something to identify with. Yeah, because at the time, most people living there go Lake Titicaca. Oh, yeah, that's what South America is. They, they're just like, it's that and it's rainforest and that's just what it is. So showing people that you do have this bustling city with a nightlife and culture and music and The Copacabana. Food, yeah, I think that that definitely opened a lot of doors and opened a lot of eyes. It also did wonders for this song, Aquarela de Brazil, because... Um, it was very popular, obviously, in the region, but it popularized the song internationally um, because Disney heard it. Uh, of course, this is like such a Disney thing, right? By happenstance, he heard it being played in a, ho in a hotel and he was like, you know, he was at a dinner and he was like, I want that. I want that in the short. Um, and then the song got very popular. I recognized it immediately. Um, I don't know if you'll remember the Venga Boys. Of Vangabus fame. We like to party. Exactly. If you listen to the whole album, which I did many a time, because I I loved the, oh my God, forget it. Me and my brother, obsessed with this album. It was one of the first CDs that we just wore out. Mr. Six. But they do sample this song as well. So I, when I heard this, I was like, oh, Venga Boys. But I had no idea that this was a film that popularized the song that way. Um, besides that, though, this to me is the best animation of this entire film. Um, yeah. I absolutely love the way that the paintbrush is creating the scenery. Um, I love the way that they have Jose, uh, the way that they animate his movement to the Samba is just fantastic. And to me, this is like the perfect example of what this medium is. They are having so much fun, clearly, with the artwork here and tying it to the music and just creating this piece. Um, I wish that they would do more things like this. I know. Because for as wonderful as things like Frozen, like Raya, like Encanto are with capturing the reality, even if you go back as far as Lion King with hand-drawn, it's amazing to see what, Disney is capable of, especially now that we're looking at this through the lens of a hundred years of the company and it's gotten so realistic and it looks incredible, but I feel like we have very much stepped away from things like this where you can be a little bit silly with it and you can stretch the limits of what these drawings can do because that's the whole point, right? You don't have to animate something to look completely anatomically correct you can right bend it and play with it and that's what it should be so i wish that we would see more things like this now yeah i love the music i love the introduction of jose i thought it was a perfect introduction especially as we see what he becomes as the years go on um and i thought the uh Kahacha was hysterical when uh. he gives donald and then but then they dip the paintbrush in and, and it, I loved that. The whole thing was just incredibly well done. It really was. Um, I guess final thoughts on Saludos Amigos. I mean, I'll go first. It's it's like I said before, it's quick, it's easily digestible. Um, I think that for the most part, at least the gaucho goofy and the aquarella shorts are a lot of fun. I do like the Lake Titicaca one. Um, for Donald, I, I thought that that was really well done. The Pedro one I can live without. 
Um, it's fine. It's not one I'm going to go back and watch an awful lot because they're like once you've seen it, you've kind of seen it. You know, I'll go back and watch the Three Caballeros a handful of times because I find that to be wildly entertaining. But this is still a really solid all-around film. I liked it very much. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I definitely liked it better than Melody Time. I think part of the reason is because there is more storytelling in this. Um, Not just overtly with the narration, but because you are trying to shed light on a culture you weren't just animating this to music that was the point of melody time was to bring these sounds to life here you are trying to create a little bit more of a complete story so in that regard I liked it much better than melody time but I think this also just really is a hallmark of Walt Disney and what we are looking at when we're exploring his films that he had a personal hand in um, because this was his idea of edutainment at its finest. This really captured every aspect of the culture, the art, the clothing, the dancing, the music, the transportation. Um, And I, I think that they just knocked it out of the park. We want to know what you have to say about Saludos Amigos. You can let us know on X, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. Hey, everyone. This is Brian down here in South Florida. I'm about two hours south of Disney, and when it comes to planning vacations, Jackie's the way to go. When it came to booking my family vacation for my two-year-old daughter and my wife, you know, like everybody, I immediately went to the internet, started scouting prices. Just out of curiosity, I reached out to Jackie. She mentioned she was uh, booking vacations for many people. So I gave her my uh, list, my itinerary. She looked it over, and when she came back to me, she gave me her recommendations in regards to the parks. However, she also had new pricing associated with it. Um, I've learned that going on my own doesn't necessarily mean that I'll be getting the best pricing. On top of that, it was stress-free. So all my vacations in the future are going to be through her because I don't have to think about it. She plans it. I give her some information in regards to what I want to do and create the itinerary for me. She's a market expert. She advised on which rides to attack first, which restaurants I should schedule on what day, and how to properly allocate my time to maximize my vacation. It was an amazing process. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. So if you are interested in completely free assistance planning your Disney vacation, you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets, or you can email me directly, monorealradio at gmail.com. So we had a trailer drop this week for Inside Out 2, which is... Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about a new movie. We have to acknowledge why, because we haven't yet. The strikes are over. We can finally talk about this. We can finally go back to work. I am so excited. I do not want to just breeze past that. Yes. Welcome back to everybody who is finally back to work. Ugh. All right. Well, this film is getting released on June 14th of 2024. What did you think of the trailer? Well, we knew this was coming. It wasn't a surprise announcement and trailer drop. Um... I really liked that they were picking up exactly where we left off, where, you know, at the end of Inside Out, they see that the puberty button has been added to the console. Right. So I like that they reset us in that way, even though you and I talked about it would be kind of interesting if they did the time jump and they brought us in that Riley is now an adult and we sort of see how 
um, her emotions have grown with her. But I actually like that that's not the route that they're taking. And it is a direct continuation. And we're going to grow with her during what is one of the most difficult times of a person's life is navigating your teenage years and navigating puberty. What I think is the really interesting twist, though, obviously, they're going to um, introduce three new emotions. But I thought it was so interesting that we meet anxiety, but that whole console turned orange. So I think that this is an unbelievably smart direction that Disney is taking to tackle dealing with a mental health issue, because I don't think it's just that Riley is experiencing new emotions for the first time because she's a teenager. I think that this is taking a turn and they are going to tackle mental health because otherwise, why would they have turned the console that color? Yeah. I mean, if that's the direction that they're going in, good on them. We're going to find out in the next few months. It could just as easily be that the console is going to change again as she turns into an adult and maybe the anxiety retires after puberty. We don't know. We're going to find out because neither one of her parents have it. And we've seen her parents' emotions, right? So... We're going to wait and see. I, I don't want to speculate on what this is, but I'm excited for it one way or the other. I think the trailer looks great. I'm glad you bring up the parents, though, because we did get a look inside the parents' heads um, in Inside Out in the in the tag and in the shorts that they did. It's always five emotions. Right. So that they are bending with continuity a little bit, but I think that also that's sort of what leads me to believe that they are going to tackle mental health. And I think that this is just a really smart way to do it because, you know, there has been talk about maybe having Elsa um, be part of the LGBTQ community. There has been, you know, people were up in arms over strange world. So no matter what, Obviously, you're never going to be able to make everyone happy, but I feel like parents would be very upset if you're taking a character that is established and changing something that drastically about Elsa. I feel like they're going to get a lot of backlash for that. Conversely, with Strange World, you introduced a new character and people were just as upset. So... I'm not saying that giving Riley anxiety is the same thing, but I'm saying the approach here to take a character that we know and love and put her down this path, I think is a smart way to do it without everybody kicking up a fuss and saying, ah, you ruined it just well, because they're trying to be inclusive. Well, they also, you can, you develop anxiety. So developing this emotion, you could very easily say, well, we didn't change her. She developed an emotion, which a lot of kids tend to develop when they hit that age. Yes. So listen, you're not going to... There are people that are still offended by Jessica Rabbit, okay? And it's 30-something years later. So it is what it is. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I don't have the time or the patience for it. Good pun, though. Um, can I... Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. This next bit of news... Not really exciting me for a couple of reasons. Speaking of Elsa. Frozen 4 is coming. 
We don't know when, because we don't know when Frozen 3 is coming, but we're getting Frozen 4. That's the thing. I should be like bouncing off the walls excited, right? But to me, I was kind of like, what about 3? We don't even have a release date and we don't have any sort of teasers, plot, nothing. And what was interesting to me was that there was an article that came out that Iger was rumored to be talking about Frozen 4. And then it got confirmed because Idina posted about it. She posted surprise. So I was kind of like, okay, cool. I mean, I like Frozen. Do I think it's going to get to a point where it's like Star Wars, where people love Star Wars, but there's too much of a good thing? Yeah, I kind of think that that's the path we're going down. But Look at Toy Story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's an odd choice to announce Frozen 4 when... We don't know how this completed or what you would hope to be a complete trilogy is going to end on that note. Um, But I think that this is also part of capitalizing on or trying to promote Arendelle opening in Hong Kong, which, by the way, have you seen some of this stuff? It looks absolutely incredible. The show where Elsa throws to the drones and and they're around the castle. uh wandering oak and sled ride i mean all of it is is looking incredible we're gonna have to talk about um future trips Mm-hmm. great not anytime soon uh but we want to know what you have to say about the news this week you can let us know on x instagram and facebook at monoreal radio or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on monoreal radio we just gave you all of that social media we are also on threads and tiktok as well at monoreal radio be sure to like subscribe and rate us on your podcast platform of choice and for links to everything related to the show it is online at monorealradio.com for jackie i'm sean have a magical week everyone on behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.